Hello and welcome to the Pulsation podcast coming from the New Wolsey Theatre as part of Pulse 18 Festival. My name is Dave and I will be speaking to some of the acts who are showcasing their work here in Suffolk over the week. First up, I had a conversation with Yolanda Mercy about her show Quarter Life Crisis that she will be performing here on Tuesday the 5th of June. Yolanda was a really lovely person to talk with and I hope our conversation gives you some insights as to what you will get when you check out her show here at the New Wolsey. Enjoy. Hello, Yolanda. Thank you for giving your time to speak with me. You are coming to the New Wolsey Theatre on Tuesday, the 5th of June, for your show Quarter Life Crisis at 6.30pm in the main house. Are you looking forward to it? I'm so excited. It's going to be really cool. I've heard so much about Pulse and I've been following it for a very long time. So it's great to have my chance to be there and perform. Excellent. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Um, so could you give us a little bit of background about the show? Uh, well, let's start with what it's about and then uh, maybe where it's come from. Yeah, sure. So Quarter Life Crisis is about a character called Alicia, who is turning 26, but also doesn't feel like she's ready to grow up. And the pressures or the reasons why she feels that she has to quote unquote grow up is because everyone around her seems to be getting their life together. And for her, she doesn't really know what she wants to do or where she wants to go in life. And that's kind of starting to put a pressure on her. The added pressure to that as well is the young person's rail card and her young person's rail card expiring. And that whole societal pressure of actually, why is it that a young person's rail card ends when you turn 26 and that whole thing of when you turn 26 you're supposed to be quote-unquote grown up um and that was something that I really struggled with because I kind of thought well why is it at that age this is the time I'm meant to graduate into adulthood and they hit you with a massive increase in fares yeah <laughs> unfair right uh yeah so um so where did the motivation come from to start writing this show i think it definitely came from that fact of realizing that everyone around me seemed to be quote unquote and i say quote i keep saying quote unquote because it's like i still don't really have the answers and i never want to give an answer to someone because they're so varied but they seem to be growing up they seem to like so people so like surrendering their nicknames and they'll be like no no longer having a nickname this is my full name now and all these kind yeah, of things get, that kind getting of married and having kids right and, yeah we kind just of get make this. you feel like grown-up things but is that grown-up because i love when i meet people who have children and they're like nah i feel like grown-up i'm like yes no that is, that is that's from where we're coming from my children are incredibly embarrassed about me from having <laughs> not grown up at all and I'm, yeah, yeah. It's, it's fart jokes are plenty at my house <laughs> so um, you adapted this to, uh, for radio. It went on to BBC One Extra last... Uh, was it this year? Yeah. Okay, it went you adapted in, uh, it last year. Uh, adapted it into this year as well. So partly the end of last year and early into this year. Um, and then it aired on Easter Monday. And it was a really amazing experience because I never imagined that my work would be on the radio. And it was. And I kind yeah. of had that moment that, you know, when you hear musicians go, the first time they had their work on the radio, it felt real. And it was that. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, oh, yes, yeah. I've seen, I've seen my posters places like in Edinburgh. But to hear my stuff on the radio, I'm like, 
I can't believe it's, this it's is a, happening. It's a magical medium, the actual radio. We had a, yeah. I had a tune played on Radio 1 once, and my child was in it as well, which was quite mad. Oh, my gosh, congratulations. Like, it was on Annie Nightingale's. It was like totally late night slot, like no one heard mm. it at all. Uh, but it was still cool to have it have it on there. They spelled our name wrong as well, but anyway. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm used to that. So a quarter-life crisis ran at the Oval House and Ark Stockton uh, before a run at the Underbelly at the Edinburgh Fringe in 2017 um, and then it was adapted for BBC Radio um, how do you allow the piece to evolve as you tour it and has the adaptation to radio fed back into the structure of the live performance um, so it's interesting because so this time no earlier this earlier than this time last year so it was April last year when I previewed it at Oval House and Arc and at that point it was still very in its embryotic state so I had to really do a lot of work with um my team to really uh make sure visually it looked the way I imagined it um and with myself and the dramaturg to start looking at the text um and I think what happened with doing it at Edinburgh every single day you start to realize oh this particular thing where I say it here does this work so you start to think about it like that but once the play got published so it's published with Oberon books um I realized I can't change it anymore because there are audiences yeah, audiences who are buying the playtex, right? I have to leave it. I have to leave it, which is also great. Yeah. Because as a writer, you're always like, I could change words. Yeah. There are yeah. words. Oh, duh, change it, change it, change it. But you have to just let it go. Put a line um, under it. But then you can move yeah. on to the next thing, which is very exciting when you get to that point. Exactly. Um, and then for, when I went to radio, it was interesting because with the show, it's very visual. Um, and on the radio, people are receiving that information through their ears so it's kind of like how do I create that world still so um there's projections in the show that tells the story so how do I give that information um through text but still keep it interesting and keep it engaging so it was I learned a lot of work on that to do that and it was nice as well hearing actors play the other parts because in the theatre show I play all of the characters okay (laughs) yeah so um, it was uh, sort of expanded for radio it was lovely. And then I think doing it back on stage again after the radio paid it aired, I think it's helped me to find new colours and um, variation in the characters that I play because I think I have more of a confidence in the script, if I'm honest, because when you write something, you never know how it's going to be received or how another actor would pick it up. And hearing actors perform the lines and they performed it in a very similar way to myself. Yeah. It's really cool because I'm like, okay, cool. Then I wrote something that does make sense and it does have a character's voice and it's a clear character's voice. So it's nice. I think I've I've really enjoyed the show more now. So it's sort of absorbed back into the, the live show uh, when you're performing all of the characters. Yeah, a thousand percent. Excellent. Um, did you get much feedback from the social media when, when it went out on radio? Did you get much, uh, did, uh, was there much response to it? Did, uh, did Was there sort of Twitter chat or Facebook sort yeah. of feedback? There were a lot of people who like reached out and said they loved the show. I feel like this character is me. And one other one that really made me laugh was like someone tweeted me saying, Oh, I listened to your radio play. And during it, I said, Oh, hey, Siri. And apparently, I activated their Siri. And their Siri started to react. <laughs> Maybe you can try and add that into the next one a bit more and get people playing yeah. playing certain tunes <laughs> yeah it's like playing with people series yeah. my voice and i'm but i also was like I, I thought siri is like um attuned to your personal voice 
right? So it right. shouldn't. No one else should be able to activate your Siri. I can't activate Maybe anyone's you Siri. Have a BBC English voice that <laughs> sort of I, triggers but, it all. That's why I was like, clearly there's something about my voice that I can activate other people's Siri. That's like my special gift. You that should just, be my. That gift. should be your gift. Your superpower. Right? You know when people go, oh, what's your special talent or hidden gift? I'm like, I can activate your Siri. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I can activate I have, your Siri. I have, uh, I have very little luck with Alexa. She doesn't seem to understand a word I'm saying. Oh, no. It's like, Alexa, play the thing. Alexa doesn't want to play the thing. How dare you, Alexa? Oh. <laughs> I can speak. Nope, she doesn't <laughs> understand. I don't know why. <laughs> A quarter-life crisis, uh, the term crisis sort of suggests a mental health angle to it. There's uh, quite a bit of it about at the moment, and I think we all sort of have our own take on it. Um, Do you research much into the themes of your your performance? Uh, Was mental health a consideration uh, in writing it and performing it? Um, That's an interesting point. Um, I think, if I'm honest, I just wrote a story that I felt like, I was experiencing and people around me were experiencing and through doing a, a survey monkey and asking people to, you know, what a quarter life crisis is and asking questions like anonymously, I realized there were people experiencing a similar thing. Um, and actually if there are aspects in it that people take away from it and are like, Oh, actually this is like this particular mental health thing that I'm going through or whatever it is. I really hope that it becomes a space or a vehicle for people to be able to get support because I think theater has the power to do that. Oh, absolutely. As much as a show can be entertaining and as much as you can laugh and you can cry, there's also a message that when you leave away from it and you're like, actually I feel this way and I'm going through this. I and, want people to come away and feel that they can get the support for it. And you're sharing that experience with, with others, even if it's just sort of a fleeting performance, but people will go away and they'll think about it and absorb it into their own lives. A thousand percent. It wasn't at the forefront of my mind when I wrote it. I kind of just wrote a story that I knew that it came from my heart and it came from a place of truth. Yeah. And actually that's interesting when you write from your own truth and how your truth can resonate with somebody else and they'll identify it as something it like c- a particular... And, and it comes through fiction as well. Mm. It's your own, um, it's your own take on it, but you fictionalized mm-hmm. it and sort of embellished it and exaggerated it. But uh, the mm-hmm. the truth is still there at the at the core. A thousand percent. I definitely think that, and I think that's also really powerful because I always like to make work that's related to the world we live in now. Yeah. So all of my things feel very now, and I feel like the characters feel real, and everything feels very, very real. And I think I love shows like that, um, because then I think that helps people to be able to be like, I can identify with that. Oh, and I think this is this, or I can get help with this, or I should look at this. So it's kind of interesting when people have come up to me and said they feel like they really resonate with this world of the show. Brilliant. Um, so uh, the in the bump in our brochure here, it says that you mix addictive bass lines, but they've spelt bass lines wrong. Well, it must be auto. I know. No. I mean, that's, that's upsetting to me. But um, uh, so addictive bass lines, spoken word and audience participation. Um, how much, uh, how, how important is the choice of music in your show? And uh, do you overthink it? Or uh, what's the role of music within it? So whenever I make work, I always think about the way it looks and the way it sounds. I think because I've come from a background which was um, dance, when you dance, you always like you can feel the music and that 
can some people say uh it can help you to enforce your body in space and what you're doing with your body in space and your rhythm so music is huge for me so whenever i'd write a script i'd be like oh it sounds like this particular song and it should feel like this particular thing i can't give you notes like i took music lessons for like i think for like six weeks so i know basic reading of like music i can't i can't I don't, you don't need to like, anymore. It's fine. <laughs> you can get the computer. No, but it's to cool it. to be able to know that. Like, I remember, is it every good boy deserves fruit? Is oh, that yes. The, you know what I mean? The way yes. that you remember. And was it F A face for the bits in between? Yeah, exactly, uh, right? So yeah. it was like. So together we I sort of I learned, worked out the <laughs> pentatonic Yeah, I learned Arend the Saints. I learned Arend the Saints on, on guitar. Um, I can only now remember the beginning part, Arend the Saints. That's it. It's like, Arend the Saints. <laughs> that's all i could do and i'm like yeah forget that i can't do anymore i would love to in future life like or later in life sorry um to be able to like play music read music because i really yeah develop your musical <sighs> musical side yeah well, but I can still time do... you're only on quarter life crisis maybe that could be I your know. midlife crisis that you could just i'm gonna learn to play the flute I know, I, but I can describe what it is that I like. So I'm like, oh, I should feel like this, or it should have this sound, or it should have this sort of rhythm. I can do the bum, bum, yeah. bum. I can give you pacing. I can I can tell you exactly how it should feel. I can describe it to you. And then you can, when someone, like an engineer, will be like, is it this sound? You're like, yes, that's it. So, Less of this. So music has tempo. a sort of emotive, and it's, it's, uh, it's a mood piece uh, rather than being uh, wallpaper or incidental. It's like it's, uh, it, it captures the, the emotion of your, of your uh, narrative. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so you went to Central School of Speech and Drama. Uh, you went to the Brit School for a bit and Laban. Uh, is it pronounced Laban or is it Laban? Uh, Laban. But Laban. I, I hate correcting people though. When people like say something, I'm like, I know what you mean. So I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. You know, I get words. what you're saying. Like, it's not a completely different word. I'm like, I get what you're saying. So you come from, <laughs> um, uh, 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 you're, you're a play right now, but um, what was the direct, what did you train in? uh so at brit school i did dance and i did uh theater as an option so at brit school you have like a main strand or a main focus um and then you'll do other bits on side alongside of it so my own world was theater i love drama so drama was like my gcse and then i went to larbin and larbin the whole thing there is about dance theater so in a way it's still dance but it's respecting the craft of like your body in space yeah theatre-esque um has that played into has a has a sort of physical uh performance played into your um performances uh, do you do you think about physical space i do to an extent but i don't think of like movements i'm not thinking oh choreographically this will happen like this think of my next show i probably will because i miss dance i miss that world of contemporary dance i miss it a lot um but i definitely think about so the rhythm so If I could, and this I can't explain this, so bear with me if this sounds really out there. The rhythm in which you would perform or you'd move as a dancer, I think of that rhythm in terms of words. Yeah. So I always think of like, so in a way, the words are dancing. Yeah, <laughs> so that makes weird. sense. That makes but sense. But it's a rhythm. It's so a I'm beat, like, isn't it? You get like yeah. the, 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 the rests and then you'll get like the intensity, the bursts and then peaks and troughs and... And it is, it's that it's like poetry. Poetry and uh, drumming is very similar because it's just you're hitting the mark and it, you can hear when it's off 
and then you can yes. hear when it's successfully on and uh, things are on point. And especially uh, sort of hip hop as well, it sort of merges the two into a, a, a sort of a whole art form to itself. So that's, I think that's how my brain thinks of it in terms of words. And maybe that's why I like, even though I struggle with the words sometimes, I like Shakespeare so much because I think everyone understands that. And when it breaks the iambic, you're like, oh, oh, oh what are they brilliant. trying to say? Wait, yeah. oh, what, 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 this, what does this mean? What is, you know what I'm saying? It's and pretty I love nuts, when that happens. It? <laughs> it's pretty, oh, pretty nuts to listen just, to. I introduced my 10-year-old daughter to it uh, about six months ago and she was just encapsulated by the whole thing she's like what is this why are they talking like this but like stuck with it for the whole whole uh, i think it was much ado about nothing and it Mm. which turns out to be completely about nothing it was a whole (laughs) massive waste of everyone's time Uh, but um no uh, she would yeah you could see her ears prick up and it's like, what? What is this mad thing? Mm. But it is the rhythm and the the structure of the whole thing. Sort of, is it is interesting to our our modern ears. Yeah. So you went to Central School of Speech and Drama, and then you sort of came to the end of that. And then did you plan your creative career, or did it sort of drop off, and you ended up having a quarter life crisis? <laughs> I think I was... Uh, no, so Central, I did, I went to Central because I was already acting and, you know, acting, you do, you do like, you have moments where you're like, I'm working, I'm not, I'm working, I'm not, yeah. I'm getting paid, I'm not, uh, especially when you're like trying to build it on your own. Um, and I started to do facilitation, which basically means I'd lead workshops with the community and I loved it so much. And I realized I wanted that to be a part of my practice, no matter what I did. Yeah. So I ended up seeing a course at the Almeida and the Almeida offered you an opportunity to be able to be a trainee resident facilitator there but you'd also go to central and get a pg cert in applied theater so i ended up doing that and i fell in love with just the learning of that so that practice ended up reinforcing the work that i make so like my first show on the edge of me which is about graduate unemployment and mental health issues alongside of that i ran workshops same with quarter life crisis i run workshops with that and that's kind of now taken a life of its own because i'll get asked to like run a workshop with emerging artists or like um like today for instance which is friday i'm going to the tate and i'm doing uh, a writing workshop there and it's great because it's like yeah, it's art. Honestly, I'm like, you know, when you go, what? I'm at the Tate. What? Yeah. The, like the Tate? Like Me? the Tate? Like I'm at the Tate. Like, <laughs> like I'm so excited because I'm like, it's an amazing thing. Like things like that come up because places hear about you or they hear about the work you've done. Yeah, I'm sure the Tate I'm so... were listening to one extra. <laughs> you know what you you know what oh, there yeah. are people i've had a lot of different people come up to me and be like i've heard about the show because a friend of mine heard it and then other people have told them Fantastic. so you would like you would you would you cannot be surprised the amount of people who are listening out oh, there yeah. I, I think i think as uh, speaking from my own personal experience creative people in all uh, areas of the creative industries are always interested in other completely different areas of creative industries and you just mm-hmm. sort of it all interweaves into if people are sort of artistically minded they um sort of gravitate to even if you don't sort of understand it you still appreciate that it's there as the, there's a whole section of other people that are really getting into like this whole other sort of creative endeavor and uh yeah it's sort of, um, I think that's what the internet's doing a bit more is to sort of cross-contaminate everyone's art forms and sort of merge it into uh, more of a ex- multi- multimedia experiences for, for everyone. And you can take traditional art form and then blend it with sort of contemporary 
forms and dance and multimedia stuff and and it's we're sort of heading in a uh an interesting direction um where are you heading next with your show that's another thing i should ask yeah so i'm after doing pulse uh then doing the show at um in uh southampton at the nuffield theater i'm really excited about that Mm. and then closing it like so it's coming to an end even though people like you're coming back let's keep coming back i'm like no i think i think it's time to park it so it's ending at Soho theatre in August the 16th until the 18th and then after that I'm going to go and start making two new shows which I'm really excited about have you about got them cause... in development and can you tell us a bit about them or do you uh, want to keep it under wraps don't want to I'm keeping it under wraps because you know what with well, no, no, you're not just that. You know, with creative processes, you always, throughout it, you change what you think it's about. Oh, yeah. And if anyone asked me about a quarter-life crisis uh, a year and a half ago, I would have been like, it's a show about this, uh, about being, about all these things that it, what it didn't end up being about. So once you say it out there, you're like, this is yeah. what it's about. And the okay, more you develop it, you're like, yeah. uh, that's not what the show is about. I'm doing a show about uh, fig trees. Oh, no, it's go-karts. <laughs> Sorry, did I forget to mention it? It's actually just go-karts. It's just the whole go-karting opera that I've developed. Right. Uh, or right. whatever, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so, excellent. Well, I, I'm looking forward to seeing your show on Tuesday. Uh, it's at 6.30. Um, yeah, everyone, come and see uh, Yolanda Mercy at the New Woolsey um, with Quarter Life Crisis. It's been lovely to speak to you, Yolanda. Um, you too. Thanks for taking the time to speak to me. Yeah. All the best with your future endeavours. Thank you, you too. Right, thank you very much. Right, I'm just going to wrap. Right.